Hello friends, I'm Amanda Barr. And I'm Rebecca Lou Brennan, and welcome to Dance Principles United, the podcast. Together, we are passionate about helping studio owners with the business of running their studio. Join us as we talk everything from marketing systems, studio culture, motherhood, life, and everything in between. This is the Dance Principles United podcast. Good morning, Dance Principles United podcast. I hope that everybody's having a fantastic week, whatever day you're listening to this. And thank you so much for joining us. Today's guest on the podcast is Ethan Ruschok from Ruschok Accounting down in Adelaide. And as you've seen from the title of this episode, it's the questions you've always wanted to ask your accountant but haven't. Because what, as everybody knows that listens to this podcast, because I say it all the time, I love numbers. Um, I love dealing with them. My background's mathematics and finance. So I'm really comfortable in getting into the numbers in our studio um, and letting Amanda and the rest of the team focus on all the incredible creative parts of it. Um, But I do understand that not everybody's like that and not everybody has somebody in their business that um, enjoys numbers as much as me and can do that side of things for them. But what I really do believe and think is that we all do need to have some level of um, not ability, but we all we need to be comfortable with our numbers up to a certain point because we are in business, we're business owners, and we, uh, we're all about outsourcing what needs to be outsourced. You all know that. Um, but at the end of the day, the buck with our numbers stops with us. So we need to have a little bit of understanding of what's going on from the accounting side of things um, so that when we are outsourcing it, that we are able to make the best decisions for our business going forward. Um, And that's why I've got Ethan on today. Um, Ethan is somebody that I connected with through NFTs of all things. For those of you that have followed um, our socials for a little bit, noticed in May that I was over in Minnesota, which is where I connected with Ethan. Um, We'd connected a little bit before that, um, but he is now the Dance Principles United accountant as well. So it's exciting to have him on the podcast. Welcome, Ethan. No, thank you. I'm excited to be here and and talk all things numbers. I also uh, have a love for numbers and that would, uh, if I didn't have that, it would make my job pretty difficult. But what I love most is working with, especially businesses in some kind of creative industry to bridge that knowledge gap between what they know about numbers, what needs to be known so you can meet all your compliance, but also how you can use those numbers to actually understand your business and help grow your business. Exactly. And that's what we're all about with Dance Principles United, obviously, is helping people grow their business to get it to that level where they can live the life that they want, where they can, whether that's teaching more, whether that's doing more admin, but having that business that um, yeah, you're happy and comfortable with, which is where yeah, we see so many dance studio owners get bogged down um, and, and let their numbers fall by the wayside. Um, and uh, I'm sure you see with a lot of businesses, Ethan, that they, they are doing the thing that they're passionate about and get themselves sometimes maybe into a bit of trouble by ignoring the, the numbers side of it? Yeah, definitely. That uh, is a common thing that it's it all becomes a bit too much and the longer it's left, the worse it gets. And and then you're running a business where you don't really know, are you making a profit or are you making your desired levels of profits? And you're really just running off guesswork, which is definitely a recipe for disaster in the long term. Amazing, amazing. So there's, there's a few things I wanted to cover today with Ethan Molly's here, some things that are really sort of specific to our industry because Whilst I love numbers, one of the things that I dislike about numbers is how they can sometimes make people 
feel stupid. And I, I'm doing air quotes on a podcast, which is a bit silly. <laughs> but um, that that idea that for some reason people get into this mindset, whether it's from like literally as far back as primary school or high school, that they get told that they're not a maths person, which means that they can't get comfortable with numbers in, in any sort of facet of their life and they sort of throw it on the back burner. Um, but you know, the analogy that I always use is that, you know, just because you're not a Spanish person doesn't mean you can't learn to speak Spanish and things like that. So it's something that um, even if you feel like you're not a math person, I really want to challenge you to to sort of try shifting that mindset and get a little bit um, comfortable and just start learning at least the basics and know what you need to learn at least the basics you need to know so that when you are outsourcing um, to your accountant, to your bookkeeper, whoever you're going to use, that you are the information you get back from them, you can use to make the best decisions for your business. And why um, I was really excited to bring Ethan on is, and we'll drop the link to the YouTube channel in the show notes, is that Ethan's um, really good at explaining these things um, at a level for anybody to understand. So um, he's got an incredible YouTube channel. And one of the things that jumped up the other day that is really relevant to our industry is the whole sole trader versus company setup. Because we know in the dance industry that a lot of us start businesses small. Um, I know Amanda started as a sole trader um, 20-something years ago, 21 years ago. Um, So if you could maybe have a little bit of a chat, Ethan, about the benefits or maybe even like if you start as a sole trader, because I know a lot of the listeners on the podcast will be currently sole traders, when would be the time for them to maybe look towards the next structure, like a company setup or structure? Yeah, definitely. It's a pretty common question across pretty much any industry is that, Sometimes people think they've got to go into business and they've got to start with a company because they hear friends started with it. I've had a few existing clients that have rang me in a panic saying, we need to set up a company tomorrow. It's got to be done urgently. And then I start asking those basic questions of, well, first of all, why? And it's normally that a friend's told them or it might be, you know, in your instance, it could be another studio owner that's running through a company that's successful and they think that's the only way to do it. But it's definitely a personal decision and you're going to want to look at things like, well, who else is involved in the business? Have you got other people that are, you know, maybe it's partners or kids and stuff like that? Because that can sometimes uh, play into what structure is best. Revenues and profits are obviously a big thing. So the big thing that attracts people to companies is they do have a flat company rate of tax, which at the moment for small businesses is 25%. So as people are starting to earn more and more money, this becomes more attractive because our top marginal rate is 47%. So Straight away, people go, oh, flat rate can work better, but it doesn't always work better. And the other reason why people may go to a company is for some legal protections, depending on the industry as to how risky it is. Um, Obviously, some industries are are more risky than others, but it's always wise to have a company structure in mind or to at least explore it to ask the question of, is it going to be beneficial for me? But also understanding that it's not going to be the best solution for everyone. A lot of people that are starting out a sole trader can be perfectly good. So it's, it's kind of a question that any of my sole trader clients, I like to have that discussion with them, you know, every 12 months at least just to review, okay, look, if we can see profits are starting to creep up or maybe they've got another income source, other employment on the side, we may look at a company structure there or we may just go, no, nah, it's all good because it does come with additional ASIC fees that you've got to pay each year. Your accounting fees are likely going to go up. So don't just let your accountant say, oh, you need a company structure without really understanding why it actually suits your situation. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were saying with that sort of like um, marginal tax rate and things like that, so that means let's say you were taking home $75,000 as a sole trader 
and that's your sort of business profit, which is technically your income. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So that's where it can get a little bit interesting is that someone that's on $75,000, they make that profit, that'll all be attributed back to them personally. Now, if they have no other income, that's always going to be the better option tax-wise versus a company at a real basic if we're just weighing up yeah. company versus sole trader rates. Companies have the ability to pay wages and stuff like that. So companies have a lot more flexibility with how or more so when profits are given back to the individual. So they can be great as income goes up, you know, thinking of anyone that's starting to go over that $120,000 of profit a year or people that have got other income sources as well that are already chewing up a lot of those low tax. And there's obviously, again, I always try to keep going on about this to anyone I talk to. There's always more to a decision than just tax. Don't make decisions just based on tax savings because there are other things at play that could affect that decision. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And like I said, um, Ethan's got a great video on his YouTube channel, which I'll definitely link to in the show notes. I think it was about an eight, eight or nine minute video just talking more in depth about the company versus sole trader thing. So definitely, if it's something that um, you feel like is coming up to a decision in your business, definitely jump along and um, have a look at that one as well. So my next thing that I wanted to sort of ask and talk about is that um, a lot of dance studio owners don't know sort of what part of, of their their numbers to, to pass off. Um, and I do see, unfortunately, a lot of dance studio owners paying far too high fees for different services around this. Um, so can you maybe like just talk a little bit about what's the difference between your bookkeeper and your accountant? Yeah, so it's interesting too. I would probably put people into three kind of baskets of what they do. You've got the ones that will do all their own bookkeeping themselves. So, you know, they're reconciling. Normally, most people are using software these days, whether it's Zero or QuickBooks or something like that. They're doing all the day-to-day reconciliation. They're paying their employees. They're doing all that. They're lodging their own BAS. And they just come to an accountant at the end of the year and they don't even engage a bookkeeper. I've got other people that will engage a bookkeeper to do their bookkeeping. So that might be their BAS. That might be the payroll maybe the day-to-day reconciling, et cetera. Some will even go further and have people do invoicing for them and stuff like that. And then they engage a separate accountant to do the year-end stuff. And then I've got clients that I do the bookkeeping. So I do that process of the BAS lodgement, the reconciliation, and, and then obviously I do the year-end tax. And everyone has their own preferences. And I think it's really important to be self-aware and go, what is your skill set? Because I see too many people that are spending hours upon hours on their bookkeeping themselves. They're not getting it right anyway. So the likelihood that their accountant or if they are using a bookkeeper, maybe just to do the BAS, are probably going to end up charging them more because it'll take them longer to fix it up than what it would have to start it from scratch. And they're also then got day-to-day figures that aren't reliable for their business. So I think you really want to really be self-aware. Do you actually have the skill set to do the day-to-day bookkeeping or do you actually want to do it? You know, if you're going to, you know, especially people may find a bookkeeper that may be at a cheaper rate, and they may have to go actually spend those hours growing their business. So I think I think it's really being self-aware. Going, maybe it's not for me, yeah. but you want to have that still connection that no matter who you work with, you need to work with someone that can explain these numbers to you in a way that makes sense to you, not just in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what like, um, I was actually talking about this with one of our, our private clients the other day, because within our business, um, again, I'm lucky enough to have that um, maths finance background and actually worked in a, as an accountant for um, five minutes once upon a time. Um, <laughs> so I I actually like the fact that I am doing my bookkeeping. Um, I engage an accountant to do all of the bass lodgement and things like that for, on the dance studio side of things. Um, but for me in the studio, and we're obviously a, real, a very large studio um, with lots of lines to reconcile, 
but I can get into a bit of a groove and do that relatively quickly if I'm consistent with it and stay on top of it. And I like the fact that I'm seeing where the money's going just as a, as a bit like a, a day or a week to week thing. I see those expenses as they come up because I feel like for a lot of businesses, the biggest thing we need to stay on top of is our expenses. So as I'm reconciling, I'm like, huh, Amanda, what, what did you buy there? <laughs> and like, uh, we can make sure that we catch things um, as they're coming and keeping on track of your subscriptions, which can often chew up money, lots of money and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think if you are outsourcing as well, like I was chatting with one of our private clients the other day who was paying, I think, $100 a week for bookkeeping services. And um, just once I sort of got in and sort of explained, because we talked about like what they were doing for it, and we logged in and looked, the, the company that was getting paid $100 a week was a few weeks behind and things like that. And once um, this person found out what the bookkeeping actually entailed, she was actually really excited to jump in and do it, could stay on top of it in half an hour a week, just the, just the reconciling side of things, and then was able to pass the rest back onto her accountant to take care of the, the more technical side of things. So like you said, it's yeah, being self-aware about yeah, what's best for you, but also if you are spending that money, making sure that you understand what you're paying for and keeping them accountable for what they're doing as well is, is a massive thing. Yeah, that's really key, that one there. I just want to jump in because I've picked up a few clients recently that were paying bookkeeping. And when I've gone into it, the bookkeeping was done at a level that the business owner would have been able to do. It wasn't done up to date. It was, you know, invoices were matched to the wrong people. We, we had payments going everywhere. So they were paying for a service that wasn't even being done at, at an acceptable level. So you really want to make sure that this is why it's so important that even if you're not a numbers person, to have at least a little bit of numbers knowledge. If you're going to run a business and you don't have that, you really open yourself up to being taken advantage of or not understanding. So that that little bit of knowledge so you can ask the right questions, you know, go into your software and go, oh, everything is reconciled up to date or it's not. So you can ask those questions to make sure you're getting value for money. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, because, you know, you always read those like horror stories, right, of, you know, um, uh a guy that used to go, I used to teach at a high school and one of the guys that went to that school um, is uh, on the world surfing tour, him and his sister, um, Owen Wright. And there was a big story in the in the paper the other day about how their bookkeeper had embezzled one and a half million dollars from them. And that's like, number one, it breaks your heart, obviously. But if you're not, like I said, if you're not, I completely understand, like you said, um, if it's not your zone of genius outsourcing, but at the end of the day, as business owners, the buck does stop with us. So we do have to train ourselves up to some sort of level to be able to understand we need to, if you're using zero, I'll just use that, say that because that's what I'll use, but you need to be able to log into zero and have enough knowledge to be able to quickly look around and think, oh yeah, like that all makes it like, that's about what I expect. Um, and just yeah, sort definitely. of know at least on a weekly basis, what's happening. Um, so the next one I was going to ask you is what I also see with a lot of our tribe members and also our our private clients is that they're I feel they're not getting the most out of their relationship with their accountant that it's sort of like a oh it's tax time again shit all right better reach out to the accountant um, but I feel like it, it should be something that's more of a, of a two-way street and a, a relationship that has multiple touch points throughout the year so what are some of the, the questions that they should be asking and getting feedback from their accountant on a regular basis? Yeah, definitely. It's one of the biggest challenges that not only business owners have, but accountants have is that regular engagement through the year 
is that there's definitely clients I've spoke to in the past that, you know, you try and have those check-ins and they don't see any value in speaking to their accountant. So it's then my role to explain to them why that could be beneficial. So at a minimum, I think most business owners will, if you're wanting to be successful, should be talking to their accountant at least twice a year. You've got year-end compliance work and then you should be catching up with them pre-end of financial year to see is there anything you should be doing before that 30th of June deadline. So that's kind of like a bare minimum. If you're doing quarterly basses, maybe that's a good trigger point to speak to your accountant. But the key thing you want is do you actually walk away from any meetings with your accountant and actually understand what was discussed? And that was probably the key thing when I started my business. It's like, and it's probably, you know, my best skill I have is actually making sure that I walk out of a meeting knowing that the other person's understood it at their level. Because, you know, firms I've worked for in the past or people I've worked with, and it's like I'd sit in on meetings and they'd explain something to the client and I'd be sitting there going, this client's not understanding that. You're not talking in terminology that makes sense to them. And every every conversation has to be customised based on the other person's knowledge. So, you know, if I was talking to someone like yourself that I know has that higher level knowledge of accounting, I'm going to be able to talk about things in that way. But if I'm talking to someone that's just beginning, obviously I need to change that up. So it doesn't matter how many times you meet with the accountant if you walk out and don't understand it. There's no no value there. Yeah. So. I wouldn't even say it's. that's probably the key thing to look for is are you actually getting value out of every conversation? And then if you are, then maybe more regular conversations may be helpful. But if you're not getting that value, you need to, one, speak up and say, look, sorry, can you re-explain that? And if they're re-explaining you're still not understanding it, that's when you obviously need to ask the question is, is this the right fit for me? Exactly. And not being afraid to ask the questions is a massive thing. Like there is no stupid question, right? Like if you don't understand something, like your accountant is there to help and serve you, right? You're paying for their service and they want to help your business most of the time. And look, if they don't, it's probably time to find a new accountant, (laughs) right? Um, But like in asking those questions, the the story I always tell is that I was reading in a book by Richard Branson, um, you know, head of Virgin Enterprises, billionaire, trying to, you know, go to space and all these sorts of things. And he told the story of um, sitting in a meeting one day with like one of his finance chiefs and you know, big serious meeting with all these other people around the room. It was him and his finance chief. And the guys were going, blah, 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 gross profit, net profit, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, just, can we just have a minute, please, guys? Took his financial um, guy outside. He's like, mate, I know I should know this. Like, I'm the head of you know, billion-dollar companies, but just not sure about this gross profit thing. Can you explain it to me again? <laughs> and so, like, my, the takeaway is, like, if Richard Branson is the head of this global empire – is able to step outside a room and admit that he's just not quite sure on what the difference between gross and net profit is, you're allowed to ask any question you want about accounting and it not be silly. Definitely, definitely. hundred, like, yeah, it's just like, like I said, like your accountants want to help you and they're there. Just don't be afraid to ask any, like, you can't be afraid to look stupid because you're not going exactly. to, right? It's a question that's there to help you and your business. So I guess- If you're asking it, there's probably plenty of other clients that have asked that account the same question. Exactly. Um, so like what sort of things like leading on from that, what sort of, I guess, quarterly type report or what sort of regular reports um, and reviews should your accountant be be sort of providing for you? Yeah, so you want to like, the advantage with cloud software is that things should be updated on a regular basis. So going to the days where people would just reconcile things once a year and your accountants would do a, you know, Half, half a job at it and, oh, well, that's good enough. We can comply and that's it. You know, you want to see a regularly 
even if it's once a quarter, a profit and loss reconciled. You want to see a balance sheet and you want to have that understanding that you can look at a profit and loss and understand it to a level that you need to as a business owner. Yeah, because it might show negative, but you might go, oh, that's because we bought some assets and there was some higher depreciation in that quarter or or we had a one-off income event or a one-off expense event that has changed that up. And you want to be able to read a balance sheet too because the biggest question I suppose I get asked as an accountant is, oh, well, yep, here's your, you've made $100,000 of profit, here's your tax bill, and they go, well, where's the money gone? And if you're looking at your numbers regularly, you'll know where it's gone. And it's easy. I looked at a client yesterday. They'd made ninety five or $100,000 in that mark. And I look at the business bank account, and there's not much in there. And then we look at the personal drawings column, and I can see, well, they drew out $100,000 for the year. Yep. So now when I have that conversation with the client, it's like, yep, here's your profit. You're going to owe a bit of tax, but I can see you've spent a lot personally. <laughs> you've but already we spent doing that, tax. that on a regular. <laughs> yeah, if we're doing that on a regular basis, it's like, okay, yeah, we can look at okay. Well, how much do we think we're going to owe for tax for the quarter? You know, do we need to be putting away and having those conversations in advance? And I spoke to someone not long ago. I said, look, you haven't made much profit last year. Your tax bill is going to be really low, but we know next year is going to be way higher. So let's start putting away from day one of the year, not at day three sixty five. So that's the advantage to to regular meetings rather than just once a year where you get a $20,000 bill and you don't have it. If you get a $20,000 bill and you've got 18 grand away, it's a lot easier to to accept that and to be able to pay that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the best thing that I did for our business and I've shared with with our tribe members, a lot of them have implemented, is um, the, the profit first technique by Mike Michalowicz. Um, for tribe yeah, members, one. there's a call on that in, in your portal. And just, yeah, just makes it makes numbers a um, more behavioral thing, which we know a lot of it is anyway. Um, and just, yeah, makes it so much easier to help. Um, but that's, that's probably a, a call and a chat for another time. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask about was acceptable business expenses in our business and maybe even a couple of doozies that you've um, that you've heard. <laughs> yeah, that, well, I sat on an ATO call the other day or a training through the, the tax practitioner board and the ATO went through some interesting stuff that they've already received in the first few months. They've swiftly rejected such as uh, people food expenses because they need to be able to eat to live and therefore the to, to survive to work, which nice. the ATO quickly crossed out. And, you know, people that tried to claim weddings or things <laughs> like that, that quickly get swiftly denied. But I think what you've got to look at is, and the ATO, it pretty much comes down to, you know, is this, and businesses do have a bit more flexibility compared to individuals. But, you know, is it related to your business? Is if It might be business right, but there could be a personal portion to it. So, you know, typically travel, you might travel to a conference or something, but you take, take your partner who, isn't there for business and just making sure you apportion those things correctly. And therefore when you get an audit done, you know, you don't have any stress, but where probably the biggest expenses people go wrong with are those ones that people don't pay out of the business account. You know, they've got a subscription, they've got an office 365 subscription that comes out of their personal account. They forget about it or or they've got another credit card that they've used while they were away and stuff like that. So the biggest mistake that people make is not paying legitimate deductions. It's not always about trying to find, oh, you know, what's what's the secret deduction no one knows you can claim about? The, the chances are it's probably not there, but it's the one that's sitting under your nose that you forgot about. So hence why I say to people, look, if you can have a separate business account, even if you're a sole trader, it'll make life a lot easier because you can reconcile that account. You're not then trying to go and only work with a client yesterday. We looked at the year-end stuff and I said, you've got no electricity bills from January to June. You've got no fuel from April to June. You've only picked up three accounting fees and I know you've paid 12 because I know you're paying each month. <laughs> 
I think maybe something's missing in your record keeping and we realised that, yeah, a whole credit card hadn't been entered in. So this is the, the biggest mistake people are making in any industry is actually just not recognising the legitimate deductions they've got. Yeah, and that's yeah, it's probably it would be a big thing with dance studios as well. Like if you're at at a, a dance competition that you're there with your student, like that should be stuff that's anything you're doing at that competition, your travel to that or your fuel to that, things like that, are there acceptable business expenses, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like that's probably the biggest thing. It is travel or events and stuff like that. You know, if you're doing a training course that's maybe business related, you you're going and you go, Oh, you know what, I want to better understand zero, I'm gonna go spend you know, a thousand dollars on a on a training course through TAFE, and you're a business owner. Well, that's probably going to be deductible. Like, yeah. So thinking of like, what are you doing to improve yourself as well? If it's business related, there's a chance that could be deductible yeah. as well. If you, if you're Obviously, everyone's situation is unique, but yeah. Yeah. If you're we'll a dance studio owner, yeah. If you're a dance studio owner and you're going to take um, classes at Sydney Dance Company, that's something that the that the business should be yeah. paying for, not you personally. Correct. Perfect. So, look, we're, we're running out of time, but the biggest thing in this, look, this might actually take us a little while, but one of the biggest things in our industry and it's popping its head up again um, is the employee versus contractors um, debate. Um, in dance studios, we know that we pay um, our our teachers, for example, a lot of them, the, the ones or most of them are on the same um, shifts every single week throughout the week. Um I believe that, that that makes them employees, not contractors. Um, but, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on employees versus contractors and what do you advise your clients around that? Yeah, you're definitely not the only industry that struggles with it, but it probably is an industry that there is going to be some real challenges there. My first suggestion is get it right from the start. Don't, and any kind of payroll thing, make sure you get it right from the start. I've heard some horror stories about people who've had to back pay a lot of money and things like that. Go to the ATO website as a starting point and they have a really good tool on employee versus contractor. Do that for every single person you hire if you're not sure on it because it will step you through and ask you those questions. Are they working regular shifts? You know, obviously not really applicable to the industry as much, but, you know, are they bringing their own tools to work, you know, yeah. typical in trades and stuff like that? Are they using your resources? Are they, you know, are you instructing them what to do or are they are they employed to do a service? And that that's probably one of the key ones is that, are they there, you know, for a certain period of time and you have full, you know, discretion over it? And one of the key things normally a contractor is allowed to do is they can normally do the job how they see fit. Yep. So, it's, you know, ask that question that you've got a dance class and you need, you, you've got someone that comes in to do it. Could they go and hire someone else and get them to come in and do it? You know, the likely answer is probably no. And therefore, you're definitely going to lean towards more of that employee. There's definitely going to be situations where you may be using a contractor as well, but Really get that right from day one because yep. it's just it's just a legal thing that's going to cause you a nightmare of issues. And the chance are if you get it wrong for one person, there's probably 10 other people there that are the working in your studio that also it could be wrong for. Yeah. And if one person finds out that they were underpaid, you can guarantee everyone else is going to want their share of what they were correctly, you know, correctly owed. Yeah, absolutely. And that even if like people do still have um some of their staff on as contractors because it's it's that regular um, regular hours regular amount of pay you should be paying superannuation for them is that correct yeah that's correct yeah so that's the other key area and that's where people are likely to underpay it might not be in the actual wage because you may be paying them you know they may agree on that but it's a super so if they are a contractor and off the top of my head I don't know the exact terminology but pretty much if they're a contractor and they're on that regular and they are a legitimate contractor still 
then they're likely going to need to be paid super. And we've got all these changes coming with single touch payroll and especially with the phase two stuff, which obviously your software provider will be updating you. I know, for instance, Zero have got a deferral, but they're not far off of rolling it out. And they are obviously just updated the ability to make sure you can report contractors easier in the software and clearly identify, are they an employee or are they contractor? And there's going to be a lot, you know, we're not, we're getting closer and closer to weekly or, or whatever your pay run is. The, the ATO are knowing more and more details about that employment. And yep. therefore it's so vital you get that right. Go on the days where you could just fix it up at the end of the year. You need to get it right every pay run. Yeah. And look, the not meaning to be doom and gloom about, about it, but for those that maybe are sort of erring on that and maybe not doing it correctly, like you said, with these new single touch payroll things that are coming out, the the, the ATO is going to know, right? And, and yeah. the the more information the ATO gets, if you are not doing it correctly, the higher the likelihood that you're going to get found out for it, and like you said, be be forced to to possibly back pay or things like that. Yeah, and they're getting stricter and stricter on contractors in general. As far as picking up and the, the building industry, it come in about six or seven years ago that they now need to report how much they've paid to every contractor, their address, their their ABN, the the tax withheld, and now on those people's tax returns, you know things are popping up. Merchant suppliers, you know, if you use a, a bank and they're for your point of sale or whatever at your at your studio, or even some of the online providers now, that data is feeding through to the ATO and they're going, oh yeah, you've received. Hundred thousand dollars from Commonwealth Bank. We're expecting to see at least that of revenue in your business. Yeah. So the data matching is getting better and better, and therefore it's just better do the right thing from the start. And you're not going to have you're not having that stress over oh is someone going to come knocking at my door as one of my employees or contractors going to ask the question and I don't know the answer. Exactly. And look, if if you are listening to this and are thinking oh crap, like maybe I do need to to transfer over, um, like that, that's something that we've helped a lot of our tribe members, um transition across with and we've helped all of our private clients I know transition across um, and look it is a bit of a scary thing we know in our industry um, because you've got to go from like contractors who are supposed to be paying themselves their own tax which you know <laughs> like I don't think a lot of them do if we're honest but yeah you've got to negotiate different pay rates and some you know they end up thinking that they're getting you know you might they might have been $50 an hour as a contractor but when they come on, come on as an employee they're still getting $50 an hour, but you're withholding that tax for them. So they feel like there's a lot of education around that and it's not an easy thing to do, but it's something that you that you need to do. Um, so yeah, like I said, make sure if you are thinking about that and it's something that you um, do think you need to do in your business, know that number one, you're not alone in the dance studio industry. Number two, um, it's not something you can click your fingers and sort of do overnight. It's, it, it involves a lot of conversations and education with your staff as well. Um, but it is probably something that that you need to start thinking about. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of conversations in business aren't easy, but sometimes you've just got to have them. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is us done for today. Thank you so much for coming on, Ethan. Um, let Can you let people know where they can find um, you, your videos and Rushok Accounting in general? Yeah, so best place, YouTube channel. It's just Ethan Rushok on the YouTube channel and all my other links are in there. But yeah, that's probably one of my, my favorite things about having YouTube is I can I don't necessarily need to work with everyone one-on-one. I can provide you, you know, one eight-minute video might be valuable to you and if you get value out of it, that's, that's, yeah, that makes me happy. So I appreciate it. And yeah, appreciate you having me. And Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully people take, take something away from it and 
the biggest thing if you've got questions go back and speak to your accountant as a starting point you know they've sure. worked with you ask the questions and see what they say absolutely awesome well thanks so much ethan no worries see you guys